I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me, lounging in the satellite branch from Scenic Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, it's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Yo. Don't just let the buzz hang. You got to jump in earlier. (laughs) Okay. The buzz is part of it. It's a package deal. (laughs) You want Kate? You got to get buzz. (laughs) It's part of the deal. Friends, if, I mean, uh, why, why would I ever reveal to you the uh, lacking audio fidelity of this production? But something has happened to Caitlin's connection since we went to Facebook audio. And it's just, you get a nice little, I do my best to cut as much of it out as I can. But every so often, you just get a little nice little. And the worst part is, is if I leave the headphones on my head, I can I hear it no matter what. <laughs> I'm doing. So when I'm trying to, now that it's become so like, I'm just so aware of it. I can't even get work done with my headphones. Oh on. no. And which, which is helpful because people will call and I can just pick it up. Um, but now I have to like go and I have to get them on. I got to struggle with them. And yeah. Friends, this is episode 239 of the geek down podcast. If you would like to go back and listen to all of our other 238 episodes with varying degrees of buzz, some of which don't have any buzz at all because we were in the same room. Remember that? It's <laughs> <laughs> a thing that used to happen. You want, you it, want, it, yeah. You Not want, only that, we used to see people. <laughs> yeah. So, so many, so many things we used to do. Friends, I'm going to talk about it in a minute. But if you want to go back and listen to all the things we've talked about on this show for like, four, five years, however long we've been doing this, you just go wherever you get your audio content, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher. Give us a follow, rate and review while you're there. If you're nice, we'd appreciate it. Helps people find the show. Boosts our algorithms. Yeah. I don't know how people find us. It's always a mystery to me. Whenever you give me the, like, results, I'm always surprised, A, by how many people are listening. Where where did these people come from? Where did you come from? Yeah. And you're all over the world. You are. You can let us know in a minute because I'm not done the preamble yet. But if you haven't followed or subscribed, you do that wherever you get your audio content. And henceforth, new episodes of this podcast will be delivered to your device on the back of a rainbow-maned alicorn named Philip by your mans. Chauncey Frostilicus the third Geek Down Internet Elf. How's that? That was kind of amazing. Uh, you don't okay. want... To miss the moment where Kate and I can record in person again. Chauncey doesn't want you to miss the moment where Caitlin and I can record in person again. So you know what? Let him do the work for you. Just give us a follow or subscribe and you'll never miss an episode again. Because Chauncey's just going to sprinkle those episodes directly onto your device. You don't have to do anything else. Friends, if you want to tell us who you are, where you're listening, how you found us, twitter.com slash geekdownpod. That is where the show lives on the social meds because we are never going to TikTok or Twitch or parlor or clubhouse clubhouse is clubhouse is the one the hipster one right now i meant to tell you that the other day wasn't isn't wasn't clubhouse like that thing where you buy a cd for 99 cents (laughs) no sweetie that was columbia house (laughs) 
Oh, 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 clubhouse, like when someone wouldn't let you in their clubhouse. Yes. Kind of works the same way because it's still invite only. Uh, Clubhouse is basically just people talking over each other, as far as I can tell. Um, Right. So hipsters. Yeah. Who wants that? Nobody. We'll be over on Twitter yelling at kids to get off our digital lawn. Friends. If you would like to uh, support this endeavor financially, I mean, we'd appreciate it. You can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. We don't necessarily encourage it. Still think you should no. keep your money? Keep your change. But if you just have, if, if you've started your own Twitch account and you're just caking up from all that partner affiliate money you're raking in, we're not going to stop you. We've said our piece. No. If you decide, you're adults. If you decide this is a decision you wish to make, we're not going to insult you. By refusing your money. We wouldn't do You're that You're a grown-up. You. You, you can buy all the mini wheats you want. <laughs> Just try to make them last longer than three days. Give it a shot. Or oatmeal crisp. That's healthy, right? <laughs> yeah, kinda. You know, mini wheats are fucking fire, yo. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Friends, here in Ontario, it has been another week of fuckery. But here's oh, the thing. So much here's the thing, Kate. I was thinking about this this week. I was scrolling through the Instagrams and I saw a clip on the uh, account for website, the ringer. And I believe it was one of their podcast hosts uh, doing an interview with a guy named Jeff Garland, who is an actor and writer on curb your enthusiasm, oddly enough. And they were talking about, I guess the seat they're doing another season. It's they've started filming it. And at one point the interviewer says, you know, when the COVID thing really started hitting, part of me did think, Man, what would Larry David make of this? What would, what would Larry and Jeff think of this? And Jeff Garland brought up a very good point. He said that on this upcoming season of Curb, there's really only one episode that deals with COVID. The rest of the series is kind of based in a post-COVID world. And he brought up a very good point. And that is, nobody wants to watch a COVID story because we all have our COVID stories. Yeah. We don't need that's why... to go to our entertainment for that. Yeah. And that's why I think when there were a lot of, like, I think when I didn't watch all, I watched, like, a couple of of skits, but when, like, SNL did their, like, online skit thing, no one wants that. And I extend your entertainment to this podcast. I think we're relatively entertaining. And we will continue to process what life is like. We're not robots. We have emotions. We process these things. And when the shit really hits the fan, we'll we'll share it with you listeners. But you know what? We spent a lot of time processing last week. And it's not like uh, the current provincial government in the province Caitlin and I live has gotten any better this week. It has not. Because everyone knows the answer to a public health crisis is police. Wow. I would like to say, though, just quickly, Hmm. um, I think that the... Memes, though, have been fire. The best one I saw was, friends, to put it in context, briefly, because I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but with an increase, basically, as we said last week, the provincial government, led by Doug Ford, the uh, brother of the late Rob Ford, the crack smoky mayor of Toronto, put us under a lockdown again, and there have not been many tangible results. Numbers have continued to rise or hold steady. There has not really been a decrease. Um, the vaccine rollout has been bonkers, to say the least. These are all things we talked about last week. 
and there was really pressure mounting for a bunch of additional steps to be taken, including prioritizing the vaccination of essential workers and paid sick time for essential workers. And your boy Dougie came out uh, after a much delayed press conference on Friday afternoon and was basically like, we're going to give cops the power to, uh, you know, ticket people and stop you to find out if your trip is essential and blah, 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 blah. And some shit so misguided that even the police hopped on Twitter and were like, we're not going to do that. (laughs) No. Yeah. I was like, good for them to be just like, that's not happening. So... All, much of that has already been backtracked. It's just very apparent that the current political party in Ontario really doesn't have a clue. And I am following a Twitter account called Vax Alert Canada or Vax, Vaccine Hunters Canada. Yeah. That basically it fires off on my phone all day just letting me know where like vaccinations are happening. It does more. I've gotten more information from this Twitter account in three days than I have gotten from any press conference Doug Ford has given. Oh. So, yes, friends, if you're in Canada uh, on Twitter, you can go to at VaxHuntersCan. That's V-A-X Hunters, H-U-N-T-E-R-S, Can, C-A-N, and uh, you will get multiple notifications for everywhere in the country that is administering vaccinations none of which has applied to me but i'm just I, I love when i see some of them that it's like for a hot spot and it's like tomorrow thorncliffe park while supplies last starting at 11 a.m it's like bro i'm not lining up for fucking a supreme drop like i'm not <laughs> i'm not lining up for jordan's what the hell are you talking about like while supplies last yeah, 11 30 sunday like <laughs> it's literally gonna be a bunch of kid and kids in ovo on lawn chairs waiting to get their vaccines so yeah, it's it's not been great. But as Kate said, the the memes have been fire. The best one I saw was somebody who uh put the face of bubbles from the trailer park boys on Doug Four. <laughs> oh my god. It uh, it yes. fits it fits too well, Caitlin. That's keeper. Everything has to be perfect. I can't let the boys down tonight. That's my specialty. <laughs> and just the caption that was like, Well boys, we don't fucked it up now. <laughs> it was- Yes, that's the correct response to the idea of Doug Ford is bubbles from the trailer park boys. Yes. Ah, fantastic. All that is to say, though, you, I have come to realize over the last week that, you know, maybe you like hearing me and Caitlin shake our fists at the heavens about this stuff. You can let us know if that's something you would like to see continue. But I just started to think over the last week that, like, you know, y'all are feeling it enough yourselves. You don't need us to devote too much of the show to the constant fuckery that is living in this province for our fellow Ontarioans. All that is to say, news. Um, I don't really have all that. <laughs> and with that, I don't really have anything. One thing I did see this afternoon while I was kind of poking around, it's not really news, but it's sort of a uh, updated version of an old story, was a uh, comics writer, Ed Brubaker, opening up on uh, one of Kevin Smith's podcasts, about how, um, so the nature of work for hire in the comics industry is not new. It's basically, uh, you play with the toys, and if you make anything new, you might get a credit, but there's no real, it's not like royalties will then follow you yeah. after yeah. that fact. Um, one of the more, most notable uh, early versions of this was uh, comics artist Todd McFarlane um, 
piping up that he was primarily responsible for the creation of the Venom character from Spider-Man. And this has always been the case going back to, you know, Jack Kirby. Everybody know, and everybody might know that Jack Kirby designed all these characters, but designed the visual look, invented the visual look of these characters. And everybody might know that and know who Jack Kirby is and it comes and comes up at the end of a movie, but it's not like his family ever got, I think now they have, but I mean, they fought, there was a long legal battle to get, you know, Disney, Marvel, whoever to pony up some of that filthy lucre. And one, uh, comic writer who has been feeling this himself lately is Ed Brubaker, who in 2005 basically invented the concept of the Winter Soldier in his Captain America run. And he was not thrilled with the state of things, but just kind of accepted it. And then I did not know this. Apparently, dude almost like drowned last summer. Oh. And it kind of put some shit in check for him. Um, this is a story on io9 that I saw this afternoon. It left him thinking about what his wife would be left with if he had if he had drowned. Oh. And began to realize this is now quoting the article. He began to realize the vast disparity between what he sees for his Marvel work beyond his iconic run on the Captain America comics, still in print today as the definitive run on the modern day character, and the worldwide success of the movies that have been inspired by his work. So this was all on a recent episode of uh, Kevin Smith's uh, Fat Man on Batman um, podcast. Oh, sorry, which, sorry, it's called Fat Man Beyond now. Um, used to be called Fat Man on Batman. Fat <laughs> um, Man Beyond, that's funny. <laughs> and this is now a quote from Brubaker saying, I remember sitting there in the third movie and just remembering this Jack Kirby ulcer growing in my stomach going, this is what it felt like, kid, except a hundred times worse, so fuck you. <laughs> Um, and just that it's, he got, you know, apparently he got a, he got a check offer to him once that he feels is kind of, was kind of an insult that he turned down. Um, and that he apparently, he, I guess he had a cameo in the Winter Soldier movie and he kind of made more money off of that than he ever made. Yeah. <laughs> um, from royalties for this character Which that he created. Which is really messed up. And I mean, as we're all sitting down every week to watch, well, you're not, but as we're all sitting down every week to watch, <laughs> <laughs> to watch Falcon and Win every Friday. Like, this character is, you know, poised to move ahead as one of the key components in whatever the next version of the MCU is going to be. And, you know, uh, Edward Baker didn't invent Bucky Barnes. Like, that character existed. But the whole notion of having the audacity to take one of two characters that, like, just never got resurrected, Uncle Ben and Bucky Barnes, who in the original comics died in the 40s, um... And now everybody knows that story from these movies. Like mm-hmm. the story was deemed good enough to make a core component of basically the narrative force of the MCU. Like it all goes back to the winter soldier movie and the split, you know, the whole, then that led to civil war. And then that led to the, all the drama between Tony and Steve in the movies. Like that's all goes back to Edward Baker's work. And the fact that he can't catch a check for that is the nature of comics and the work for hire model. And also just another example of how grotesquely outdated that system is. Oh my gosh. Well, I think that's a a large reason. A lot of comic book creators and writers were like, 
peace. I'm doing my own thing. Yeah, you just, every few years, you kind of notice this class of um, Marvel. And I don't know how it works at DC. DC seems to be able to keep them around a little longer. These superstar writers like your Scott Snyders and your Tom Kings and your Brian Michael Bendises. Marvel especially just seems to have this, like, every few years, there's, like, a bunch of writers that come in. And they do a bunch of stuff, and they get really popular, and then uh, within years, they're all writing image books. <laughs> yeah. And doing their own creator-owned stuff, because they can own it. And, you know, if it's if, they're, if they option an image book, yeah, they're catching all those royalties. They're catching all those checks. Um, yeah, it's just baffling that, like, okay, you would expect, like, Jack Kirby to get a raw deal in, like, the 60s, you know? Yeah. Um. But when everybody's kind of more wise to the game now and when Bucky and the Winter Soldier has played such a key component to everything they've done, really. Like the whole narrative thrust of of Phase 1 Marvel was, or 2 or whatever. What fucking phase are we on now, Kate? I have no idea. I just like the movies, okay, guys? Come on. Um, everything from like Winter Soldier through Endgame. Like, if Bucky wasn't directly involved, he was the reason for it, right? Like, that pushed all those all those narratives forward. And for Brubaker to not be able to uh, get, I don't, I haven't even, I haven't even checked to see if there is a. I don't think it does. I think it just says created, you know, characters from the Marvel comics. You know, there's never characters based on the Marvel comics by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, whoever. Um. Yeah, it's it's messy. It's messy, and it's especially when Marvel gets bought by Disney, and it's like, yeah, because when Brubaker was doing these, I remember when he started his run. I didn't read Captain America at the time, but I mean, I remember when he started his run. I was deep in comics then, and Marvel wasn't owned by Disney. Iron, I think the Iron Man movie was out yet, like, or it had just come out. Like, this was not. Nobody thought this was going to be what it was when Brubaker was writing these Captain America stories. And then for whoever, Feige or the screenwriters or the, the Marvel Brain Trust to, you know, cherry pick that story to make one of the pillars of the, the MCU and not give the dude his shine is that's unfortunate. And yeah, it's... I've, I mean, I, this is very similar to like other issues in just general publishing. Mm. Like, the publishing industry is not – what do they say? It's, like, 1% of writers become, like, well-known enough to live as a writer. Right. Like, it, it's a – it's not – they're not great models. Brubaker's last word, or at least the last quote he has on this, uh, this io9 story that they exerted – was, quote, I'm not unhappy with my life or that I wrote this thing. I'm super proud of all the work I did on Daredevil on Cap. I don't love my X-Men run, but there are people who liked it. I loved working on Marvel. I had a great time there. But at the same time, I also feel like, you know, be a little more generous. Yeah. This is one of those things where, like, nobody writes comics for the money. <laughs> really. Um, and the amount of money that could do right by any comics writer, not just Brubaker. But I mean, if you've chosen to adapt a signature work by a comics writer and base your entire movie franchise around it, the amount of money that could change that dude's life is a fucking pittance. Uh, well, this is how I feel about all of society. <laughs> yes. 
But I mean, um, Disney, you're trying to tell me you can't find a couple mil to shoot uh, Edward Baker as, you know, the nerd culture at large this month celebrates, uh, you know, the work he was integral to producing. Yeah. I think you got it. Check behind the couch. I'm pretty sure you have it. There's probably a million just lying around somewhere. <laughs> just go through the couch cushions. I guarantee you. Someone forgot it. forgot in a bank account somewhere. It's got tell me $10 million in it. It's probably at the bottom of an old file cabinet Bob Iger left when he... <laughs> His office, it's there. Uh, he's using he's using a, a stack of money as like to bubble at his desk. <laughs> he's got a couple rack. Uh, he's got a couple racks underneath one of the legs. Yeah. To keep yeah. Oh, uh, this, this income inequality is killing me inside. Caitlin, you said you had something you had seen as well. I do. I do. Kate's got news, y'all. Well, it, no, that's the problem. <laughs> it's news, but it's not news. It's more of just a a wondering about things. A wondering about things. It is related to a news article that I came across on the Mary Sue. Mm. Um, IO9 might have had something about it as well. Um, and then there was another article I'd recently written, or sorry, recently read. I'm not a secret writer. I wish I was. Uh, recently read that kind of is associated. And I, and I'm struggling with something. So Hmm. I'm going to sort of talk about it and then maybe ask the audience and, and yourself. Friends, I'm I'm fascinated. I don't know where this is going to go. What, what is going on? That is my, going to be my question. So this is the article. Mm -hmm. It's about HBO Max making a show called Gotham PD. Mm. (laughs) Now, as... Some of you may know there was, uh, I think it was a CW show. It, if it wasn't, it felt very CW called was, Gotham. I think it was Fox. I think it was Fox. Okay, Fox. Um, it probably says in the article. Um, and there's also actually a movie that they're going to be making called, uh, that's about like Gotham PD that focuses on um, a young Gordon. So not only that, then at the same time, there was like the Batwoman TV series. Uh, There's a new Batman movie. There's a ton of like Harley Quinn out there and Suicide Squad stuff. There are all the, you know, DC shows. Um, But there's just specifically like a lot of Batman. There's also like a young, um, uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? Hold on. I can do it. Oh, we haven't had one of these for a long time. Okay. Um, Alfred. There's a young Alfred show called yes, Pennyworth. Pennyworth. Um, and so there's like a lot. There's a lot out there. This is in relation to the fact that HBO spent around half a, mi- a, half a billion dollars making the first season of the new Lord of the Rings TV show. Amazon. Oh, Amazon. I'm sorry. Amazon spent half a million. Mm-hmm. Um, why? We have enough prestige television and enough movies on so many different things that, like, we had that talk last week about, um, oh, Bad Beard superhero show coming out. Neptune, no, Jupiter's, <laughs> Jupiter's all the rage, Jupiter's. Ne- Neptune's Hootenanny. <laughs> <laughs> Ju- no, it was uh, Jupiter's, Jupiter's legacy. legacy. There we go. Um, and, 
you know, how um, Invincible was, you know, like so many other things and blah, 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 blah. So we have enough of those comparisons just in different types of shows that actually doing like the exact same show with the same group of characters set in the same place and so close together. It's not like this is, you know, there was this show called Gotham PD in the 1960s, and this is going to be a new revamp. Um, it, it's, I, I don't understand what the thought process is. And I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand why so much Batman, uh, what I find rich about the HBO Max show vis-a-vis uh, the earlier Gotham show is Gotham, while ultimately just became about, you know, young, sexy rogues gallery and young Bruce Wayne and maybe ended yeah. with him putting the suit on. I don't know. I didn't watch it. That show ran for way longer than I expected it to. Yeah, I um, thought it was going to be like maybe a season. <laughs> it was originally pitched as like, there have been a lot of talk for a lot of years about a show based around the Gotham central uh, comic book. The, yes. This is now the second appearance of work by Andrew Baker in this in this episode. Um, oh, I should have connected it that way. I should have been like, in other Ed Brubaker news. Leaving segues on the ground. Lord. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was basically about the Gotham PD with very minimal Batman. But, like, you know, what do the cops do when the Joker starts sniping people? Yeah. Um, and how how they, did we get here? How they work with Batman. I remember one key detail I loved was like no cop could touch the bat signal. It had to be like this girl, Stacy, who was like the, the receptionist basically. Right. Um, Cause the civilian could touch it, but if the cops touched it, they were acknowledging Batman existed. Right. Um, nice little touch. And Brubaker and uh, Greg Rucka, who wrote the old guard, which is something we mm-hmm. talked about before. Um, and a lot of awesome wonder woman stuff. Um, they would alternate story arcs, day shift v night shift. Um, it was it was like Homicide Life on the Gotham Streets. It was a fantastic book. I loved it. And there was talk that that's what this Gotham show was going to be. It didn't turn into that. They decided, no, nah, it's too, it's not flashy enough. And now you have HBO basically going to do Gotham Central. <laughs> no, they're not. They're, it's closer to Gotham Central than it is. But when someone asked them about it, they were like, or maybe it was the movie. Somebody asked somebody about it, and they were like, "Oh no, this is not, this is not Gotham Central." So from the Mary Sue article, because I wanted to make sure that I got it right, um, fans thought that the series would be inspired by the excellent Gotham Central comic series by Greg Rucka and Ed Brubaker, but Brubaker denied his involvement with the TV series on Kevin Smith's Fat Man Beyond podcast. <laughs> Awesome. So, uh, friends, the lesson of this episode is really just turn us off and go listen to Ed Brubaker on that podcast, apparently. Uh, uh, I was like, maybe they're really going to make Gotham Central this time. And so I reached out to to a producer who works for Matt Reeves, and he says, no, that's not really Gotham Central. Brubaker said in the interview, they're making sure they don't call it Gotham Central, and it's more of a spinoff from the movie. It's like the James Gordon show. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's dumb. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, I just, it's a lot of the same stuff from the same stuff. I always, and yeah, the, the influx of Batman stuff, that's really rough. I always go back to 
we know at this point, and this is like whenever my Marvel malaise hits kind of what I end up screaming about, like go back to space sweepers, space sweepers might've not been the best movie we ever saw, but it was at least something different. Something I didn't know about going in. Yeah, exactly. Not anything based on a comic. I could like go in knowing like, okay, they're probably going to touch this beat, this beat, this beat. And I was like, I had no idea what I was getting into with this. And I, I'll never forget listening to Chris and Andy once and Andy talking about, um, either, a conversation he had with some unnamed producer or something or another screenwriter where it was like, the notion is like, you could write your Indiana Jones esque, um, you know, swashbuckler adventurer type Nathan <laughs> again, I'm already doing it. Like you know, your Nathan Drake style, uh, character. Yeah. And it won't sell. But if you can, if you then uh, say it's about a young Jack Daniels or something like that, <laughs> then they will be interested. It's gotta be attached to something people already know. That's like, but, that's the, end. I mean, is that, is that, has that, is that new? That must be new because think about all the movies we had in like the nineties and early two thousands, like the mummy, the mummy wasn't attached to anything. One of the greatest films ever made. <laughs> I think it is. new. I mean, you go back to the dawn of the blockbuster, like yeah, jaws was based on a book, but it's not like, you know, there hadn't been like three other jaws shows. <laughs> Three other shows about sharks that then, you know, a new Jaws movie came out. They stopped making Jaws movies. It's actually surprising. Spielberg must not be letting him. <laughs> Maybe he now has a uh, phobia of sharks. And I, But I mean, they, right. My bad. They keep making shark movies. They just call it, they just make them like, you know, prehistoric and call it the Meg or some shit. Like, there's a, or Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Like, they're still making shark movies. Um, and every time you make a shark movie, it's because people know sharks. They know them from Jaws. This influx of Batman, that's very troubling to me. <laughs> That's a <laughs> well, even this the whole thing with Lord of the Rings, like those movies, as long as they are, really, they should have been a miniseries, but they're they're good movies, and for a lot of fans, they are they're fun, and it's great to watch these characters that you read on paper come onto screen. I don't think anybody and if you are that person, please send me an email um. I don't think anybody who really loves Lord of the Rings is like, yeah, I can't wait for the Lord of the Rings TV show. It just doesn't make sense to me. But I mean, if you, and and listen, a lot of people don't pay attention, care to pay attention. And really you don't need to, but I mean, when it gets announced that Amazon's going to throw half a billion dollars or whatever it is on a Lord of the Rings TV show, it's because they want a game of Thrones. Like, then uh, you know how many books there are out there? Find a book. Do Netflix, Shadow and Bone. Like, that thing looks amazing. It makes me want to read the books. Do a thing like that. The books are selling, there are lots of books. The books are selling mad good now. Um, I know. But, I mean, Amazon had the money, and they think it's a lock, so they can they can throw it out. Um, yeah, you know whose th- money that is? Mine, when I was going through my breakdown last year. <laughs> I have paid for this Lord of the Rings miniseries. Yo, give McKinnon an associate producer credit. I can share it with Brubaker. <laughs> Brubaker didn't write Lord of the Rings. I know, but hey, he wrote stuff and didn't get credit for it, so it makes sense he would get credit for something he didn't write. <laughs> the answer is just give credit for shit he didn't write. I guess yeah. I guess it works. I can just um, share it. I don't mind sharing. All that is to say. I really do feel that the hangover that came to me and have I've been living in for like two years is going to come to everyone eventually. Of just like too much? I think, I'm not going to say like, you know, oh, Marvel's going to, people are going to be over Marvel because Marvel knows enough to keep switching it up. Yeah. 
right? And they have kept a forward narrative momentum. They're not going to make a new Iron Man. You know, they fucked around with, well, it wasn't even them who was doing it. That was Sony that was fucking around with like the eight different Spider-Mans. Marvel knows enough to know that like, they're not just going to go back. They're not going to reboot Captain America. They kind of are, but I mean, you know, it's the continuation of a story established 10 years ago, right? Like, yeah, that has its own problems. I don't want to go into it, but yeah, the constant like milking of Batman. (laughs) Not that Marvel didn't do it. I mean, we both kind of dug the Peggy Carter show. Um, it's one of the first things we ever, first things we ever talked about, and yeah, that kind of tweaked I kind of tweaked that a bit with like you know Tony Stark's dad and early versions of Shield and whatnot. But yeah, um, yeah, the const the constant like <laughs> just just leave Batman alone. <laughs> yeah, at least for a while. So so much Batman. Just let him go to sleep. Uh, I still will check out that Matt Reeves <laughs> movie though. It looks dope. <laughs> It looks dope, Kate. I'm just a I'm just a man. I'm just a nerdy man who wants to watch Pattinson play Batman. <laughs> I think that's really gonna be really hype, actually. Uh, friends, to my utter surprise, Caitlin McKinnon has updates this week. I do. I am so surprised. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, so I we, can, we continue watching Invincible episode six. Things continue to get more interesting. Excellent. Um, <laughs> Criminal Minds is still trash. Um, the Orville season, season two we finished. Oh. Um, very good. Um, waiting for season three, looked it up. I don't actually know when it's coming, but there was a lot of talk around how people really loved the sort of dramatic stuff in season two. And so they're really focusing more on that. So it's going to be even more Star Trek season three, which is delightful. Um, I we started watching the Lost Pirate Kingdom, which is okay. it's like a pirate documentary, but it's kind of like the samurai documentary is that they interdisperse sort of like um, almost looking like television shots with old people talking about samurai. Right now it's that, but old people talking about pirates and one guy who looks like a genuine pirate, and I'm like, oh, he's traveled from the past to tell us about pirates. Um. <laughs> A couple episodes of Parks and Recreation because it is the positivity I need right now. Um, I think I might have talked about this book many, many years ago on the podcast. Maybe not, but John Gardner's Grendel. I think I've I read think this you, book, but I'm not positive. I think you did, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's I've had it for a long time, but I, I don't remember – what happens in the book. I remember <laughs> parts of the book. I remember there was a cool dragon and I really like the writing style, but I don't remember what happened. So I don't think I finished it. Um, so I'm continuing or I'm rereading that, I guess. Um, and then finally, the big highlight this week was the Netflix show. This is a robbery. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Segway. Uh, I, I watched the first episode myself. Okay. And I watched it. Someone cute has watched a fair bit of it as well. Um, and it caught my eye because who's always talking about wanting something based around art theft? Me. So when I saw that this Netflix program was about an art theft, I was like, I wonder if he's going to get to that. And she did. How did you like that? I did. Um, so it's a, it's, this is a robbery. It's, um, 
it's based on the world's biggest art heist, which took place at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston on March 18th, 1990. It is a four-part series, which I was surprised about because I thought it was going to be longer and we got to episode four and then it was sort of like wrapping things up and i was like wait don't go i think i thought it was longer too yeah i'm surprised it was only it's yeah. only four only four parts um and it was really good i really loved it i loved there were some things that frustrated me because and they were kind of saving it for the end maybe um but it's one of those things where there there has not not been any resolution. None of the pieces of art have ever been recovered. That was my, I got that suspicion. Yes. <laughs> going through the first episode. And I'm like, this is going to leave me unfulfilled, isn't it? So I have not been in a rush to finish it. <laughs> yeah. And it will leave you unfulfilled, but the journey to get to unfulfillment is very fulfilling. <laughs> and you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff about art and there's a lot of interesting stuff about, um, that time and place about the the mafia in Boston, um, like that all of the it was it was basically a story about this art theft and and the mafia, um, which was fascinating. Um, and yeah, even though there wasn't a, a, a resolution, and you know, as someone said in the last episode, they basically were like, you know, we probably won't. They've either been destroyed or lost, mm. or they're sitting in someone's basement, and until Uncle George dies and the kids go through this stuff, we're not going to find these paintings. I mean, there is a fourth possibility which is that they made their way overseas but basically you know there there haven't really there have been like a couple sightings but not not really um so anyway so all of that was really fascinating i was so thrilled to see an art heist um movie because it's actually this huge issue internationally um art theft and the fact that art theft like funds like drug cartels and stuff. It's really weird. I read this doc or I read this book and it was fascinating. Um, so more of that Netflix. Uh, <laughs> and I would like to take credit for that. So you can put that on the board. No, nope. uh, Jordan noted because they're listening to us and I've been going on about an art theft show for like a decade. <laughs> um, I can't dispute it. It's very true. It's very true. Uh, and um, I also hope this gets the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum lots of tourists once things open up again. I know I want to go. It's a very dope-ass museum, yeah. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. And yeah, uh, yeah, I was I was delighted, basically, by it. So, yay! Delighted, y'all. Delighted. And, and, and that's everything. That's everything. Well, friends... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot the other thing. Mm. So important. Don't ask me how I got there. Maybe I just needed something to pass the time quickly. Maybe I was like eating a snack at work. <laughs> but uh, during this week, I found myself on YouTube looking up AEW entrances. Oh my God. <laughs> Did you know Jericho got a choir? He has a choir now? I know. <laughs> I know. And this is that... from a while ago, but yeah, he got a choir at one point. That may have been I for a pay per view. How... The, the crowd started yeah. singing his theme song. The theme song is by his band Fozzie. And yeah. Um, yeah, the crowd started. I could not name you a single Fozzie song. I could barely 
Judas, I think is the name of the song. Um, yeah. I could not tell this you. This man can do anything. Very fun fact, and also kind of a segue. I have not seen it yet, but the wrestling world kind of went. Uh, WrestleMania was last week. Um, it's been a very up and down week for wrestling because not only was there WrestleMania and all the all the fun uh, and not universally great matches, but a lot of good matches on WrestleMania. Um, immediately followed by the, uh, you know, traditional post WrestleMania cuts, including Samoa Joe, who like everybody, basically everybody on earth went, what, 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 what? So long Joe. Uh, the best part was, uh, former, and one of the, the biggest critics of the WWE, former champion CM Punk, then on Twitter, uh, sending Samoa Joe on Twitter, the gif of, uh, Chappelle as Rick James, Doing the fuck your couch. <laughs> fuck your couch, motherfucker. So yes, uh, ex- exciting time for wrestling. Back to Jericho, though. After, so Stone Cold does this podcast. Or podcast. It's usually, it's like a sit down. It's like Larry King, but it's with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And like usually, you know, a WWE wrestler of the day. You know, right. it could be Ric Flair. It could be Brock Lesnar. It could be Bork Laser. It could be, uh, you know, a legend who hasn't been around for a while. The Undertaker, those were big ones when The Undertaker finally started breaking character. He did, like, three of them, just telling stories as, like, Mark Calloway for the first time in, like, 30 years. And they put up a video uh, right before WrestleMania with, like, a very telltale countdown sound effect. And the camera panned out, and it was Stone Cold with Jericho. (laughs) And that's what everyone did. That's exactly what everyone did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And just, like, holy shit, like... (laughs) Jericho, who does not work, and it's not like I talked about, I have not seen it, so I don't know how much they talk about AEW at all, but, yeah, it was just a really, like, crazy moment that that it happened, and Jericho's a phenomenal storyteller, and just, like, hearing him talk, and a, a genius when it comes to wrestling, and for the most part, because he always knows before anyone else does when he needs to change it up. He's changed his character so yeah. many times over the years, and... You know, he knows. And I could, you could see him as a hero or a heel, like, so easily. When you, when you look at everything he's done from, like, you know, the the rock and roll arrogant prick of, you know, the Lionheart era to, you know, the Y2J era when he first got to the WWE to then he went total heel and changed everything about himself and, like, didn't even want – he didn't even have merchandise. He opted not to have merchandise because he didn't want any sort of fan support. Yeah. He just wanted to be that big of a heel. He, like, inadvertently, it was an accident, but he, like, knocked out Shawn Michaels' wife in an angle once. He didn't didn't pull the punch quick enough. (laughs) (laughs) And and realized he had just punched Shawn Michaels' wife in the face on live television. Um, (laughs) To the dumb list of Jericho type stuff. To then walking away from the WWE and going to New Japan as, like, a completely different character to who he is in AEW now with this inner circle group that he's got. Like, he just turned face again. He just turned baby face in AEW again. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's a he's a master for, like, adapting his character. And um, I need to get to that that interview with Stone Cold. Um, Chris Jericho, man. That's, like, 50-something, too. Like, I still, wish he could be our mascot. Going. Look, if a Japanese city can have a mascot, I think we should be able to. Well, I mean, I don't want to call Chauncey our mascot because he's really, he's our, he's our producer. Galen, I think in that relationship, we're like the mascot for Chris Jericho. Uh, okay, maybe. 
Um, so my updates are all over the place. Not always fun, but uh, worth worthy of viewing and discussion. Uh, so I'm going to bounce all over the place here. To a degree, um, someone cute likes watching movies. And of what kind all, of movies? That's the question. She's she's a cinephile. Thank you. She watches everything she can get her hands oh, on. Um, no. So bear in mind, it was we watched two things last time I, uh, I spent uh, a wonderful evening with her, and the uh, thing that she uh, wanted to watch was uh, a short that has recently been nominated for an Oscar. It's on Netflix. It's called Two Distant Stra- Two Distant Strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, it is basically. I believe there was an episode of the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone that was like this, where it was like Groundhog Day with a police stop. Was there an episode like right. that? Do you remember that? No, but it sounds like it absolutely could be a thing. I thought there was an episode of that Twilight Zone where there was like, the whole thing was oh. like a guy couldn't get away from this cop. He would always end up getting stopped by this cop, and no matter what he did, it was always going to lead to an arrest. And that's basically... What this short is, uh, the the MC Joey Badass, in uh, what I don't think know if it's his acting debut, but one of the first things. It I, was called Replay. Uh, there you go. God, she's she's quick with it today, y'all. Oracle's really coming through with it. Um, <laughs> it's basically that told with a little less uh, fantasism and more like, you know, hammering, hammering at home uh, in not always fun ways. Um, Joey Badass plays this dude who, like, you know, had a... Had a wonderful evening with a girl he just met, and, you know, they have breakfast and whatever, and he's, like, wanting to get home to his dog. He's having an awesome day in New York, blah, 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 but he, like, bumps into a dude, knocks coffee on him. There's a bit of a, you know, some shouting going on, and then this cop gets in his face and inadvertently suffocates him and kills him. And then he wakes up in bed next to the girl. The next day, and in the course of the half hour, you see, like, different iterations, and it's like, this has happened hundreds of times. Um, that, like, no matter what he does or how he plays it, he's always going to end up getting killed by this cop. Draw the obvious, you know, lessons and allegories uh, there for what it's like to be a person of color in the United States. Um, It's not super depressing, that said. Um, It's really well shot. Joy Battis is very charismatic as as an actor. Uh, And it was a very good... I can see why it's been nominated for uh, an Academy Award for Best Short. So that's what uh, someone cute wanted to watch. And then uh, my dumbass was like, let's watch Thunder Force. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe you watched that. (laughs) I did. (laughs) It was dumb. Yep. And that's okay because we need dumb things in the world. We do need dumb things. Um, Friends, Thunder Force is a Netflix Netflix movie starring Octavia Spencer and Melissa McCarthy as – to one-time childhood friends who end up getting superpowers and <laughs> forming Thunder Force. Because, uh, I don't know how they explain, I, this is how fast this movie has, like, leaked through the sieve of my brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how these villainous people uh, got their powers, but basically everybody who has powers, extra extra normal powers, is a villain of some sort. Or miscreant. They're called miscreants Amazing. in this universe. So Octavia Spencer has made it her life's work to, um, you know, artificially produce uh, extra normal powers for heroes to fight the miscreants, which is not a thing that has happened previously. And as it's the night of their high school reunion, Melissa Melissa McCarthy goes to pick her up and inadvertently gets like, you know, six dozen needles in her face um, and ends up getting the powers that were designated for Octavia Spencer. So they have to team up. 
uh, to fight miscreants. It's Melissa McCarthy playing another variation on that character she's been playing since Bridesmaids. I mean, it's not a bad time, per se. Uh, it's j- just, you know, a time. It's just a time. I'm not going to say it should move to the top of anyone's queue, but I mean, meh. <laughs> there, were a couple, there were a couple snickers in there. Um, what else? Uh, I fell into Jesus and Merrill hole recently, which I mean, that's always oh. a fun way to spend uh, an, an evening. Yeah. Uh, getting back on my Jesus and Marrow friends, just look them up. It's fantastic. Jesus and Marrow is always quality viewing. Um, really great episode with Glenn Close as the guest. Not <gasps> anybody I would have thought would have been a guest oh on God, Jesus and Marrow, but. Did they ask her about not ever being able to win an Oscar? Uh, I don't know if they mentioned that. They talked a lot about the Mets. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn Close yeah. is really, is really a big Mets fan, I guess. Um, fantastic. and she clearly knew them and like knew what their jam was and what's like enjoyed them. And that just made the whole thing really kind of adorable to watch. Um, it's lovely. It was lovely. What else do I have in here? I had said before, after I finished whatever, whatever coffee gets cold, I was going to move on to breasts and eggs by Mieko Kawakami. I have, it's great. Um, it's, it, I can see why it's being held up as a Japanese feminist classic. It's, Thinking a lot of big thoughts about what it is to be a woman, specifically in Japan. Uh, it's basically about uh, this woman named Natsuo whose sister and niece come to visit her for one weekend in Tokyo. And the sister, um, they've had not a great childhood uh, growing up. And the sister has to work as a hostess. And she's getting older and she wants breast implants. And added to that as well, the niece has just stopped speaking. Oh. For reasons. So like... Selective uh, mutism, which is a, a really interesting thing. Uh, no, has del- not exactly that. Apparently, we'll speak to teachers, and uh, maybe that's what selective mutism is. I don't know. but That, that, that is, yeah. All right. We'll not speak to her mother. Um, we'll speak to kids at school, teachers, acts perfectly normal, but just refuses to speak to her mother. Um, so, yeah, it's a big honker of a book. It's like four or 500 pages, but it's, it's a good time. I'm really into this one. Um, what else? I... Dove in to some spring anime 2021. Ooh. Haven't done that in a while. Took a quick survey of a few uh, few first episode offerings on the current season. Um, what did I dig into? Well, number one, there have been a bunch of like two-minute shorts um, based around Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid in advance of the second season coming this summer. They're literally a minute long, um, and I watch them, and Kana remains adorable, and that's all I need in my life. <laughs> Did you think Kana to wander in and go Kobayashi? And I'm like, yes, protect her at all costs. <sighs> Listen. I, I, did, I legit did not say anything. You, there was a noise. A noise was made. Yeah, uh, yeah there was. Listen. <laughs> Zombieland Saga R, the second season of Zombieland Saga, the insane show about a guy who resurrects uh, idols from past years to form a supergroup to increase tourism <laughs> to the prefecture of Saga. I just love saying the premise of that show so much. Um, I mean, it is it is what you expect. Is <laughs> is real dumb. The second episode, I watched two episodes of that. Um, the second episode involved, uh, like, idols always have radio shows. If you work in any sort of, like, voice acting or idols, you always have a radio show. Like, Perfume just wrapped their, their radio show, like, after, like, 15 years. Um, wow. You just always have a radio show. And they're never, like, super long. They're, like, 20 minutes or something. But um, it was about 
Fran Shushu, the the band in uh in Zombieland Saga, uh taking over this guy's radio show and he's like a rock and roller from way back and he's got that you know that novelty huge <laughs> pompadour that dudes always have? Yep. He's old so it sags in front of his face and he's constantly like <laughs> <laughs> shaking his head to get, he calls it out at one point he's like well, little saggy this thing's getting this is why i have to retire um it's dumb it's funny it's a good time i like hanging out with him i also dipped into what were some of the other the new stuff the hot new new joran princess of snow and blood oh which that I sounds like something i might like believe it's supposed to be inspired by the uh lady snowblood franchise but really doesn't not have a ton of similarities um it's set in sort of an alternate uh, I say when, when was Demon Slayer set? You know, that 1913 pre-World War One era Japan. I don't remember what the era was called uh, in Japanese history, but kind of an alternate version of that. Um, that were basically the Shogun did not relinquish power to a prime minister. Um, he just kind of was like, nope, and stayed on. So there's the Shogun is still in power. Huh. And he's got, there's some uh, sort of, animal shapeshiftery going on a bit uh on some sides of things and listen man uh some woman at one point had an umbrella that turned into a crossbow and i was like listen th- that's it that's that that's that shit uh, she was up on the roof she took here. she took out her parasol and it went thunk and turned into a crossbow and i was like yes <laughs> yes we were here we were here for this um got some really good animation looks really sharp i'll probably give it a couple more episodes when it occurs to me um <laughs> And then, man, why did I even, why did I settle into this? Uh, a show called To Your Eternity. I checked out as well. First episode just dropped. Uh, I recognized the manga from Major Canadian Retailer. The premise is basically some unseen narrator kind of flicks a white orb onto the earth. I don't know if this is supposed to be God or what, but flicks some orb uh, to just observe and learn. He wants to see what this orb becomes. And the orb can kind of shapeshift. So, I mean, at the start of the episode, it turns into a rock for a couple years. Just kind of hangs out. And then an injured wolf dies on the rock. So it turns into the wolf. It kind of wanders for a bit and then finds some boy living in, like, a settlement that everyone has left to try and find paradise. Or rather, a lot of the adults did. He stayed with the elderly and he's the last one left. (laughs) And then he decides he's going to venture off with the wolf uh, to look for paradise. It does not work. He gets injured on the way back. He dies. <laughs> what and is the, going on? And the wolf turn, then turns into the boy. So now this is your final form of, you know, this shape-shifting sentient orb as he makes his way into the world to learn about Earth, I guess. Um, I did a wiki read on this and discovered it was by the same author who did a silent voice. So I don't know if I'm in on that, Kate. <laughs> I don't need that. I don't need that kind of pain in my life. Yeah. Don't need that kind it of. Sounded, it sounded very, um, sad. <laughs> uh, and the second episode is like, you know, they bump into some like tribe where some like, you know, six year old is going to get sacrificed to the gods or something. I was like, yo, go like <laughs> one episode, please. Um, also on Crunchyroll, did not have time to really dig into it, but I was reminded that there is a third season has dropped and the rest of it, including the second season and the movies of Thunderbolt Fantasy are all on Crunchyroll. Guess who's going to be digging into that murder puppets? It's going to be Jordan. 
It, me. Yes, the answer was me. Uh, friends, last thing I want to talk about briefly. It's a thing that I heard good things about, or not even good things, just like this should be watched. So I dug into it. I will probably watch it all. And it's one of those things where I think you should watch it, but I don't feel good recommending it. Um, Interesting. This is a four-part HBO documentary called Exterminate All the Brutes. Um, it's hard to describe what it is. It's kind of an essay, visual essay done in four parts, uh, directed by this guy named Raul Peck, uh, who was also uh, the filmmaker who made I'm Not Your Negro, the James Baldwin documentary. Right. And whereas that one kind of narrated with uh, recordings of Baldwin uh, from different times throughout his life, this is really just kind of narrated by Raul Peck. Um, and it's really just kind of a really long interrogation of how basically white supremacy is the original sin of like civilization. <laughs> Interesting. From, from the crusades to the slave trade to, uh, you know, police violence, like it all is a very sad <laughs> tapestry that is all very interconnected in ways that, um, you know, I should have written it down how he says it in the first episode. It's basically like, it's the difference between knowing the story and understanding how the story fits into the other stories. Mm. Um, it's real heady shit. It's a real heady take on these subject matters with everything that's happened in the last year and all the conversations that are happening around these subjects. Um, it's definitely a deeper dive than something like the 13th uh, documentary that's on Netflix, which is all about the 13th amendment. Um, which is basically about America post-slavery and Jim Crow and all that sort of thing. This is going into, like I said, the crusades and the slaughter of indigenous people. He basically says genocide is baked into America. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically like, if you look at what genocide is and then look at what happened to the indigenous peoples of America. Yeah. That's just hashtag facts. Um, and you guys thought you came here for fun. No, you came here for facts. Yeah. Like I said, um, it is, it uses a combination of clips from other movies and stuff Peck has filmed. For some reason, Josh Hartnett plays like every evil white guy in these clips. Oh, it's interesting. Always, it's always Josh Hartnett. Um, I would be very confused by that, but okay, I'm glad you've warned me. <laughs> it uses animation and clips from other movies, clips from his own movies, pictures of his life. It's also autobiographical, like it's as him as a Haitian immigrant. Um, it's It's a lot, but... If you have any sort of interest in understanding how we got here, um, it illuminates a lot of that stuff. Um, so not fun, and I don't recommend it, but I do recommend it, I guess, is what I'm saying. And that is on your Crave or your HBO Max, wherever you are in the world. And that is my beefy slab of updates. That is, you know what, that was, that was some beefy updates. For both of us. We both got into, yeah. into some shit this week. And there's one other thing we watched. There is. Uh, we'll get into it. We come back from this break. Welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other, but now we only bring one of us brings 
both of us a thing. Did that make any sense? Yeah. But this is the half of the show where we talk about it. Mm-hmm. But before we get into it, we have rules. Yes. Fancy rules to keep things slightly organized and not completely chaotic like the rest of the show. They're fancy rules, y'all. They're rules with a monocle. Yeah, and a top hat. And occasionally a cravat. It's my dream. <laughs> rules with a cravat. <clears throat> so, first rule is the rule of three. That is, if the thing comes in parts, we will watch or read or, you know, absorb three of those parts so the thing gets a chance to become the thing it's trying to become. We either watch three or 47 of these, depending on what counter you feel like using. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, ha- uh, the rule number two, hashtag save it for the pod. That is, no matter what we watched or how we felt about a thing, we will not talk about that thing or how we felt about that thing until we are sitting in front of these microphones. We won't even apologize for a thing until we're sitting in front of these microphones. No. Or yell. Like, well, occasionally we yell at each other. Occasionally we break that rule because we have to yell. But by and large, we don't yell. Sometimes we don't even know if the other person's watched the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finally, the third rule, which really isn't a rule, it's more of a policy, is that if you have an issue with spoilers, now would be the time to go. I don't know what we can spoil about this show. There's nothing to spoil about this show. Other than a very key detail about its mechanic that I'm going but to But you look will get that within the first 30 seconds. Screaming about <laughs> at length, momentarily. Friends, this is something... That I had seen in manga form. I had seen the manga come into Major Canadian Retailer on multiple occasions. I was like, the artwork was very striking. I was like, that looks... What is this? It's an odd title. What's this about? And I read it and got the premise and went, oh God, this sounds like everything I want out of life. So when word came out that Netflix was financing an anime adaptation of this manga, I was so excited, y'all. Couldn't wait. Now, I wish I had, but we'll get into that. What are we talking about? The Way of the House Husband, or Gokushufudo, is a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by Kosuke Ono. Uh, been published online since 2018, and it follows an ex-Yakuza boss who retires from a life of crime to become a house husband. The series was adapted into a live-action television drama in 2020. Had I known, we would have watched that instead. <laughs> And a Netflix original net animation produced by JC Staff, who I would like an apology from, and was released on April 2021st. A second part of the anime has already been announced, and I mean, why not? You only gave like five episodes this season. Ah, anyway, friends, I didn't know at the time that this was basically a gag anime. Um, I was very intrigued by the notion of like a Yakuza boss who just loved somebody so much he just gave up his life. As a criminal, to be a apron-wearing uh, house husband, that seemed yeah. like a delightful, delightful setup. And to add further context, before the anime dropped, I happened to just randomly stumble across. Maybe I was looking for a trailer or like to see when the date was, uh, when the release date was coming. I came across a four-minute live-action video that was not the live-action show. I believe it was done just to be a promo for the manga. Like, just essentially like a four-minute ad for the manga. 
Right. And I saw that, and it only amped me up even more to see this anime. And then I saw this anime. Kate? Yeah. How did you feel about this? So this is, I'm having this weird crisis because you're saying like, you have to apologize. And I'm like, is he about to apologize for like one of two things, (laughs) either the style of the anime, which is different, but not bad in my opinion, or this, or he's about to apologize because he's ruined my life. Cause there is nothing that ever is ever going to be this good. Like I, I'm just, I don't know what this, I just, the, 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 I love this. I love this thing so much. Oh my God. Friends. I can never fucking, I, you know what? I'm just going to lay back. I'm going to lay back right now for all the bomb drops. I got to leave in. Yeah, that ought to do it. Uh, friends, I am le gobsmacked. I was so disappointed by this. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Oh. This broke my heart. I am so, this, I'm so sad that you were so disappointed this because broke my I heart, had Caitlin. so much fun with this. Okay. It broke my heart. Primarily because of the animation style, which has already been... I did not know this going in. Uh, it has been roasted everywhere online. Anime, Twitter. Oh, it's, the, it, it's not a... How do I say this? It's not like a good animation style. It is... It's, it, it does that thing where it like... To, uh, do you want to describe it, I guess? You might have more of the correct terminology to describe it with. I mean, at the harshest, someone on Twitter called it PowerPoint the Anime. Um Ooh, ouch. You know when you watch anime from like 1965 when they didn't have a budget? So they, Yeah, they that's used, what I thought. I, the, mo- the most accurate sort of comparison is it's more like a motion comic. There's no real like animation in it. It'll be like yeah. a shot and then some sound effects and then another illustration and some sound effects. And hit, when he talks, you know, his mouth moves. Um, but coming from like the gags from that live action bit, watching those in the anime, I was just like, no, you're oh my God, you're just underselling this completely. I was so let down by that decision. And from what I've read, I have no confirmation of this. This was like some, one of the higher ups uh, on the producer side made the call to use this style. Like this was a choice. This, yeah. I, I don't think it was a particularly good choice. I guess I just didn't, I guess it didn't destroy it for if me. If it didn't bother you, I'm delighted. Like, no, it didn't really bother am. me at all. I was like, like, I thought it was, I thought it was a, a cost thing. I thought like, oh, the studio obviously doesn't have any money. I thought, well, because a lot of we talked, we've talked about this a lot in the show. A lot of anime is done to boost the sales of the mangas. Right. Yeah, the, an, thought, the anime is not the not the focus usually. It's yeah, a, and I thought that this is what this was. They didn't have a lot of money. They were it's a huge cost saving measure. Was like okay, um, that's what this is for. That's just what my brain, my brain just did a little checkbox over there, and I continued enjoying this ridiculous television show. So, I mean, um, who knows? Maybe it was. Um, it is a gag anime episodes do not it's like pop team epic it's like episodes do not follow 
any sort of real narrative structure. Characters will show up and reappear. Um, there's a bit of narrative there regarding people he meets in his former colleagues who he encounters again in his role as a house husband. Um, that, so I guess the next question is what did you like, what did you find so delightful or endearing about, about it was so it was ridiculous the the just the work with the the knife and like the <laughs> the just like the precision and the one where you know there's the Roomba and it's like it looks like his blood but it's, and it's just sort of I just the, it's the the framing of it of uh something that is a slice of life. And then that crazy intensity of a, of a mob movie. I will say, even despite the, what I found very disappointing animation decision, um, the, <laughs> the bit where he went to the yoga class with some of the other housewives. <laughs> yes. And every pose for him is like, <laughs> <laughs> is like what you do with a dead body. But it's like, no, that's like, you know. Dog stares at sun. <laughs> like this is sleeps with the fishes. This is body in the trunk. <laughs> um, I really liked the like minisode. I'm gonna call it like a minisode where they um the guy that guy comes out of jail and it's like his arch nemesis and he's running a um dessert truck. So one thing and <laughs> they duel in like a cooking battle, but it's not yeah. even like the winner is who gets the most likes on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, and, he, and and our protagonist gets one. It's from his wife, isn't it? I was going to say, it's not really... I saw this on Twitter. It's not really called out in the episode. Yes, they both... His nemesis gets zero likes, and he gets one like from his wife. Which yes. Is, <laughs> Adorable. You're making me like the show more now when I describe what actually happens in it, because that, so, that was very funny. And I don't know why I didn't... Usually, like, animation... Like, I can tell when something's beautiful, amazing uh, animation... Like there are, we have talked before about animes where I was like, oh, the animation was really like 70s and it was grainy and I really couldn't stand it. This I didn't seem to mind. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe just because I was like, this show doesn't matter. <laughs> like if that makes any sense. Maybe. Like there's. I mean, yeah, maybe. Like I'm guarantee you, like I've given you like Utena or something from the '90s, and you're like, it looked really old. I didn't really, really like. It. This, yeah, this was like barely animation. You're like, it was great. Um, it was great. It was fine. But it was because there was no. I, it was so silly. All of it was so silly. Um, and I think because you did mention to me, oh, I know it's that basically all animes are from mangas. Um, I can't name one that isn't off the top of my head. Um, but. Maybe because you had mentioned that, maybe because I know now that a lot of animes are made because to to make the mangas more popular. Like, I just, like I said, it was like a little box that I was like, oh, they have done this for cost-saving measures. <laughs> Understood. Boop. That I wasn't so concerned about it. Would I like it more animated? Absolutely. Um, but I don't think it takes away from the, like, complete ridiculous silliness of it. Um, the cat episodes are ridiculous. Very ridiculous. Um, I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. It was just stupid and fun, and I actually laughed out loud a couple times. Well, I guess I'll take that. Um, and now I need no. I need to clean behind furniture with a wrap stick. Yeah, like take a stick. <laughs> it's got tips, y'all. Yeah. Um, just like that body show. 
but exercise. Oh, <laughs> oh God, how heavy are the dumbbells you lift? Yeah. Shouts to that one. Um, yeah, friends, I, they've only done, they've only done five episodes. Um, each episode only runs 15 minutes. <laughs> you could watch all of this in like an hour and a half. Um, and each episode will say like, it's literally just adapting chapters from the manga. Um, even with the chapter breaks. So it'll be like, you know, you'll be in episode, uh, two, but it's, you know, chapter 17 <laughs> or episode yeah. 17. Cause they're just burning through manga content so quickly. Um, I would have liked at least a te- there is one teaser where she mentions the wife mentions how he has improved from when, uh, she first met him. I want to know about their relationship. I want to know how this happened. Uh, like right. I said, I'm very touched by the notion that he loved her so much he would leave <laughs> he would leave his yakuza life <laughs> to make her lunches <laughs> every day. I, and I also think like it totally it definitely because I was watching it with senior correspondent Chris, and it definitely inspired him to like do certain things. He's like, "Ooh, I should do that for your lunches." <laughs> Just a little bit of seaweed on a rice ball turns it into an adorable panda. Um, yeah, and now you know. And one thing I do want to shout out, um, I haven't done this for a while. I think maybe because I was like, I just came to the conclusion was like, I do not need to pay close attention to this and I don't care enough. So dub it is. Um, the dub was surprisingly good. Oh, cool. I, we watched the, the sub, uh, the sub, the, the Japanese voice actor is the same dude from the, uh, the promo video, the live action promo video. Oh, Cool. So I don't know if it's the same dude who played him in the, uh, I want, I'm going to check out if I can, I'll probably have to sail the seas for it, but I do want to check out, um, the live action version. Um, maybe it's trash too. Maybe I'll think it's trash too. I don't know. Uh, and it'll just ultimately suggest to me that like reading the manga in general is just the way to go. Just do it that way. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very kind of torn cause I do, I couldn't let go of the animation choice. Um, it really, really bummed me out and I'm delighted if it, if you were able to roll with it, it was just not what I was expecting at all. And it's, I found it very disappointing. Um, still funny though. I definitely, very funny. I liked, (laughs) I I ended up watching more I think I watched four of the five. Um, but so much happens in all of them because there's so many gags per episode that like, I definitely had higher hopes for this show than I was expecting. I expected it to have more narrative than just be like set up, set up gag onto the next one. Now they're buying a car. Now he goes to yoga class. Now he's trying to sell old shit at a flea market and getting, and also, getting I love that, that they no don't actually, I, I like that they don't actually talk about the PTSD, but he very obviously has PTSD. <laughs> Yes, he's clearly done some terrible things in his in his life as a yakuza, um, and I really do. I mean, you know, like I said, it's there's one episode I didn't watch. Did you watch all of them, or did you just watch the first three? We watch the first three, but that's because I haven't been able to watch them with senior correspondent Chris, and he doesn't want me to watch them without him. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I will go back and watch that last episode because it's only 15 minutes. Because I do, like I said, I'm fascinated by their relationship and just how. <laughs> He clearly adores her, and she kind of doesn't give a shit. Like, oh no, she does a little bit. Like when he, uh, well, okay, the in the last or the third episode, I guess, when she doesn't want him to look so imposing and scary, 
and he gets the I guess the fake show is called what is it police something po- polycure or something like that yeah yeah and it's and it's a, he finds it's a police the, idol show yeah yes and he finds the apron yes <laughs> and she just she's like yes this is it uh yeah and she, she shouts the main shout to the dub is um I don't know if you got to the episode again so much happens I can't remember what happens in each episode where they uh go to buy a car or look yes. at buying a car and he doesn't like, you know, his concerns are like, it's not enough room for groceries. It's, it's, you know, <sighs> it's going to be too hard to turn in a parking lot, blah, blah, blah. And he like, he settles on this, like, like old man, like three wheel truck type <laughs> of thing. Like the type of thing that delivers fish at the market type of thing. He's like, this is perfect. And I watched it both English and Japanese. I watched it in Japanese after, and the English was actually funnier. The way she looks at him and just goes, no. <laughs> it's fantastic. Listen, I, I, love, I love a cozy slice of life, as we know. Generally, they involve mm-hmm. uh, dragons who uh, <laughs> work oh as maids. God. and Or, you know, uh, middle schoolers who uh, have crippling <laughs> social anxiety. Those are generally <laughs> the slice <laughs> Give me my second season of Vittorio Bochi. That's what I want. That's really what I want. Give the people what they want. Um, so, I mean, I feel like if I was to give this kick punches, I'd be grading it on two different levels. Like, you know, it's like content, 7.5, execution, 4. Like, Wow, you were really disappointed. I was so bummed out, okay? Um, For me, it's like a 9. Wow. I had a, <laughs> this, this show, like, I, I adore this show. Again. Friends, just, I, I don't know. I'm literally gobsmacked. I never see it coming. It's always the shit. I will give her <laughs> something. I get, I'll fucking find like the anime of the year and I'll be like, you know, so amped to talk about it. And she'll be like, eh, it was okay. And then I give her like doodles, <laughs> that do, shaky doodles of, <laughs> of, of this, this apron wearing Yakuza and she gives it a fucking nine. I can never predict it. And that's why you keep coming back friends. Cause you can't predict it either. Nope. <laughs> uh, also, we definitely want to hear what you guys think. Yeah, absolutely. By all means, like I said, it's on Netflix. 15 minutes a pop. You could watch like three episodes in an hour. Oh, Let yeah. us know. Am Easily. I being is, am I being too harsh on it? Is Kate being too forgiving? Or is it somewhere between the two? Hey, get at us. Twitter.com slash GeekDownPod. Let us know how you feel. So, uh, like a Yakuza husband's meticulously packed bento i believe that's going to wrap it up boom boom it was kate's it was kate's joke yo she gave it to me off mic it works <laughs> so i'm using it let you in behind the curtain it's not all seamless around here y'all <laughs> friends thank you so much for spending uh, a little bit of your time with us each week it does mean the world to us we hope we can bring you a little bit of joy in these fucked up times we're living in and we will be back with you next week my name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And we hope you will join us for another fantastic episode of Geek Down Podcast. I just want one that's like, eh, you were okay. You're all right. You kept me alive. I was going to say, I didn't die. (laughs) Thanks for that. Uh.